It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The NFL is back and DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for Week 1. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard that right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any Week 1 game. Head over to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boost. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same-game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Remember, you must be 21 or older and live in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or if you're in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Tendy Talk, presented by the BLPA and the Hockey Podcast Networks. I'm your host Joe, better known as Washed Up Goalie on social media. This week I chat with Jeff Osborne of the Chicago Hockey Rinkcast and now the Kraken Hostel Seattle Hockey Rinkcast and of course the-rink.com. It was fun talking to Jeff since we came from the same part of the Chicagoland area and have played at many of the same rinks. So, without further ado... Let's get to the conversation with Jeff. Yeah! 
So Jeff, thanks for uh, joining me on the podcast today. Always fun to uh, talk to another goalie, but uh, also a little more fun when I'm talking to somebody from the old uh, neighborhood, essentially. Yeah, well, I mean, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, it's it's nice to kind of get away sometimes from just like covering NHL teams. Yeah. Uh, and talking about NHL teams and just actually talking about like the life game. or the game <laughs> of playing goalie, you know, yeah. barely goalie even. So yeah. uh, I really appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah. So I know in some of the back and forth as we were talking, um, you know, when you got your start in hockey, it wasn't uh, at the, as I like to call it, the giant snowflake in the sky down at SIA. You started, <laughs> um, you know, playing, you know, street hockey uh, over there. What is that? Off of 115th across from mm-hmm. the cemetery. Or, yeah, it was across from the cemetery. Yeah. Um, how, how did you get into hockey in the first place? Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't grow up playing sports at a young age. My parents didn't know what to do with me. They didn't know, <laughs> like, cause they weren't really athletic. So they really didn't know what to do with the boys. Like they just kind of followed the lead of everyone else in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of my other friends started playing, uh, baseball and football and all this other stuff. And I was a little shy as a kid. So like, I didn't say, Hey, I want to do this. I just kind of, we, we played in the neighborhood. The kids would play, we would play street hockey because all my friends played at this league. It's called Southwest or back then it was called boys field hockey. Mm -hmm. Now it's called Southwest ball hockey. And, um, a couple of my friends, actually one of my friends, his father was the founder of the league back in, uh, I'm going to say, you know, 1971, I think it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, um, and, and, some of the other founders of the league are like the, the chief of police in Chicago Ridge, his mm-hmm. Rob Pizarski. His dad was one of the other founders. And then what they did is they were looking for something for the kids to do that um, didn't cost a lot of money and the kids wanted to play hockey. So what they would do is they would set up a rink um, and they'd have to take it down every night uh, over on like 107th and uh, right over by the fire station there yeah. in, uh, in, in Chicago Ridge. And I'm talking about Chicago, Ridge, Illinois, for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a Southwest suburb of Chicago. And um, so they would, they would set up these boards that were only knee high uh, there for the kids and they, and they would play games and they would take them down at the tennis court every night. And then they moved from there. They moved, I think they moved over to where the worth worth Illinois pool was the worth pool on 107th street, which is right where I grew up. I grew up like pretty much right across the street from there. Okay. And, uh, they would, they moved the rink over to there and they put, would take the boards up and down every day. And, uh, eventually it moved on to, they actually created real boards and kind of a real hockey, uh, you know, hockey rink, outdoor hockey rink, uh, over there on 115th it's between central and Ridgeland and the yeah. South side of the cemetery right off of 294 there. And, uh, they uh, what they would do is every winter they would go there all the parents would show up they put the rink up and then when the spring came because it would they were tennis you know tennis courts they would have to take them down in the fall mm-hmm. and uh so anyway long story short my friends played there they started there and um so they like playing hockey so much and they were really you know one, some of my friends were pretty re- really good at it so instead of you like you would see uh you know the the neighborhood baseball players you know they play baseball out in the street or football yeah. or they would play you know uh whatever out in the street we uh, our main sport was hockey yeah and we played it year round right well, in front of my house Wayne's world sure helped in our our uh time growing up where 
game off, game on. It, it seemed like that that drew everybody out to the street with the stick. Yeah, it's very familiar to what what I grew up with because it was kind of the same thing. Now, granted, I'm a little older, so like when Wayne's World came out, I you know this was I had already been doing this for ten years. Yeah, but uh, you know it was it was very much the same thing of that. And you know I would play with my friends, and we would play all day long, and just like during the summer. It wasn't baseball. I mean, we play a little bit of baseball here and there, but it was almost all hockey. Yeah. And my dad had made nets. It was in front of my house. I lived on a dead end street, so we didn't have to worry about cars very much. And uh, we would just do that all day long. We would get these little inflatable. Uh, they were like little little balls. They were probably, I don't know, six, seven inches. Mm-hmm. And you get them from the, the, the Ben Franklin down the street. <laughs> and we would go there and you'd put them in the dryer. And when you put them in the dryer, they would shrink to about the size of what a ball hockey, you know, a ball is now that they play hockey with the Milek balls. Yeah. And that's what we would play with out in the street. Cause none, none of us really had helmets and masks, anything. So you play with that softball. Yeah. It'll, it'll leave a little bit of a welt, yeah. but it's not going to, you know, it's not going to take an out or anything. It's like funny that. you say that when I was in high school, we were playing roller hockey at one of the tennis uh, courts. And I, uh, I had braces, but they were already off. And I had a retainer glued to the back of my teeth on the bottom and I'm skating in front of the net. And one of my teammates takes a slap shot and it hits me square in the mouth, pops the retainer out. Luckily I had an orthodontist appointment the next day. Cause we were going to take the darn thing out. And the orthodontist looks at me, he goes, well, it didn't do any damage. He goes, it was coming out anyway today. You just chose the uh, more painful route because <laughs> I had a big old fat lip you know, I tried smiling like this side of my lip was probably dead for like a month. So when I tried smiling, it was just like, no, just big old bubble. And he's like, yeah, you definitely went the uh, the harder route getting that thing out. But yeah, you, you never, you maybe wore shin pads if that, because you got tired of people hacking at your, uh, your feet going for the ball. But other than that, there, there were no pads or helmets or anything. Yeah. I, I got lucky because my old man, um, he was a, a flea market rat and and not not the flea market it's not like the swap around flea market you yeah. see now like a real flea market at a drive-in theater and yeah and some some people aren't going to know what those are either but <laughs> my dad used to go to those every weekend religiously and he would find these people who would who would get they would have hockey gear in their basement or whatever yeah and they wouldn't know what it was worth they'd throw it out on the table and my dad would walk up he'd be like hey i, I give you five bucks for that and I'm like, okay, fine, five bucks, boom. Rather, you know, rather leaves than, than they have to take it home. Mm-hmm. And he ended up buying, like, goal equipment, a hockey goal equipment named Getty. It was old, like, yeah. from the 70s. We're, we, you know, I was playing in the 80s. So it was 10 years old or something like that, but it was still goal equipment. Right. And I, the bad part about it was it was handed. Yeah. <laughs> so I taught myself to play goalie left-handed. Oh, no. Uh, after I had been – and this was it probably – 10 years old, mm-hmm. I switched from, so I can catch with both hands. Cause when I play yeah. baseball, I catch with one hand yeah. When I play hockey. I catch with the other hand. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's almost easier for a goalie to do that because yeah, you can normally naturally catch with both hands. And um, it, yeah, that's a whole nother discussion. I know Mike McKenna goes off on it of, you know, should your goalie young goalie be right-handed or left-handed and based off of that. And it's like, well, Everybody usually goes off of what do you what do I catch with for baseball, and that's why most of us catch with our left hand for hockey. But you know, his argument is it should be, you know, when you grab a stick to skate out, which way do you shoot? Because that should dictate 
which hand you catch with as a goalie. You know, so for me, I should be a full right goalie catching with, you know, the other hand so that I can play the puck better. But these days, it doesn't really matter. I'm not good at playing the puck. Never have been. <laughs> See, now me, on the other hand, I'm I'm a goalie. If anyone who plays on my team will tell you, I play the puck a lot. Mm-hmm. I will be the goalie that on the power play, I come out and I give out stretch passes to the blue line. Yeah. To, as the team's trying to get off the ice, uh, you know, for a change on the PK, I'm trying to get a rush back going back the other end. But that was because I played out, you know, in ball hockey. I was a defenseman. Yeah. I was a forward for all that time. And I'm comfortable shooting right-handed, even mm-hmm. though, you know, I'm a full right goalie. So the, it, it all, the mechanics all works out really. I'm very comfortable yeah, shooting, I, passing, playing it that way. And that was tough for me because I was a right-handed shot. And now I got to learn how to, you know, play the puck left-handed. And so it, I, I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's an argument that Mike McKenna makes that makes complete sense to me because one of my teammates in college, he was a left-handed shot. And so he just, you know, for him, when he came out to play the puck, it was just natural to him. Where for me, it was not natural. And I was just learning the Turco grip at that time. So you're playing ball hockey. What drew you to the net? Um, I was the only one in the neighborhood who, wanted, who was dumb enough to do it. Really, really. <laughs> I mean, I growing up, uh, whenever I looked at sports, I always liked the position that had the cool gear. Mm-hmm. So when I played baseball, I wanted to be a catcher. Same. Even though I was the fastest kid on the team by a long shot, I wanted to play catcher. I wanted to be behind the plate because mm-hmm. they had the cool equipment. Yep. Goalies, uh, you know, it was the same thing. The, the, it was just naturally, you know, the pads. You could have different color pads. And back then, you really, it was white or it was tan. That was it. Yeah. But you could have the cool gear, the helmets, and, and the, uh, you know, the gloves and the blockers and all that stuff was really cool to me. And that's, so that's what kind of drew, drew me to playing net on top of, I was the guy in the neighborhood who would actually volunteer to do it yep. rather than being stuck in that. Yeah. You know, that, that was always the nice thing about being a goalie when you're playing street hockey is you didn't have to rotate out with anybody. If anything, it was all right. Who, who wants to play on the other end? Now we got one goalie. Let's, let's find a second one. Um, so when, when did you make it on the ice and learn how to skate? Well, I knew, uh, you know, playing ball hockey is I'm very much an advocate of the ball hockey, especially at a young age for the kids, Mm -hmm. because of the fact that they don't have to worry about skating. They can go out there and they learn the rules, learn the position. And that's exactly what I do with my son. I put him in the ball hockey while he did learn to skate so he could learn the position. He, he, He knew where all the positions were. He tried every one of them, all that stuff before he ever played a game in ice. Mm-hmm. So he was well ahead of everybody when, when, when it came to it, eventually him playing ice. But anyway, um, I knew eventually, you know, being a hockey player, you, you watch these guys on ice, mm-hmm. you want to play on ice. You want right. to be like them. You want to play on ice. So roughly 10, 11, you know, I talked to my parents and let me get skates. And I said, I want to learn how to ice skate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was a slow process and we would, you know, we muck around on a, there was a, a you know a pond behind uh, in an industrial area over uh, about on Southwest Highway in the one end of Chicago Ridge. There was a it was a big industrial park over there, and they had a lot of ponds back there. And no one yep. ever really bothered you if you went back there. So we would go over there, throw the skates on, and I actually have a picture. It's, uh, I was just showing my son the other day uh, of me on that pond with all my friends, and it's one of the most hilarious things. One, one of those like. 80s 
tracky pictures I've ever seen. <laughs> That's great. So you start skating, you've got this passion for the game. When did you start playing organized ice hockey? Um, well, we had a group in the neighborhood uh, that were the older people that played in the ball hockey league. And they, yeah. they started playing ice hockey as, as they grew up too. And uh, they were probably a good, at least 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but uh, they snuck me on the team. They needed a goalie. Uh, I've started playing at 15 <laughs> in the men's league yeah, in the lowest men's league at SIA. Yeah. The aforementioned SIA with, uh, with, with those guys. And I had played, you know, uh, uh, over the St. Spectrum, if you remember that place, oh, God, that, I, that old dive. Yeah, we we can exchange stories about that place and the smell of those locker rooms. Yeah. Well, <laughs> back when we were that age, I used to spend the night at my friend's house. We would go out, but we would go out because they would rent the rink out at like 1230 at night at St. Spectrum. Yeah. So we, I had tried it a little bit on the ice, but I never, I didn't play an actual game on the ice till I was 15 years old yeah. and that was at SIA and I have video somewhere of that game. And I think we lost 12 to one. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that, that men's league, because uh, I got into a game or two in that men's league around 15, 16, where they needed a goalie. And I knew the guys, you know, a couple of the guys that already graduated from brother rice and they had a men's league team and they're like, yep, we, we need you this week. Can you play for us? It's like, yeah, absolutely. I can. Well, they know it. I'm too young. And they're like, they won't care as long as there's a goalie. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much what ended up happening. Yeah. Like I said. And then the worst part about it is, uh, you know, my high school didn't have a hockey team. I went to yep. Richards Yep. and they didn't have a hockey team. So, you know, that was another reason why it was hard to get into hockey, but yeah. on that, on, on the backside of that, I played football at Richards and I played varsity football there and stuff. I couldn't let the coaches know that I was playing men's league hockey on Sunday nights <laughs> and coming to play football Monday morning because yeah. they would have strangled me that I yeah. could have broke a leg or broke an ankle or whatever, but yeah. I did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I laughed when you mentioned St. Spectrum. Uh, I still remember everybody was, you know, enamored that they had this Zamboni that looked like a car. It's like, well, it's not a Zamboni. It's an Olympia. Uh, a less yep. superior product, but uh, I don't know if uh, he was there when when you were going there. But Jose, he was their uh, Olympia driver, and I don't even remember any of the uh, names of any of the people there. Jose was amazing because he barely spoke a word of English, and even though most of us were taking Spanish in high school, we could barely speak a lick of Spanish. But somehow we found a way to always communicate, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we found a way to to get our points across to each other. And even though that rink was a dump, it had its own smell, it had its leaks and everything else. He found a way to keep that ice in as best condition as he could do. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll always remember Jose for one reason. And one of my favorite high school hockey stories is from that rink. We're playing uh, Lions Township freshman year JV state playoffs first round and the refs were not very good that day. And my coach was throwing uh, some words their way. And so he got thrown out and my coach was also 
getting his doctorate in psychology at that point in time. And we're in a Catholic school. So um, some might say the coach shouldn't be dropping F-bombs very loudly at the officials. Uh, so he gets <laughs> thrown out of the game and there's that stairway to nowhere on the uh, bench side. He just stomps up the stairs and you just hear the thump, thump, thump as he's stomping up the stairs and he sits down and just kind of like pouts the rest of the game. And we, we wound up losing the game. It was like a two to one loss, a heartbreaker. And um, he comes in the locker room afterwards. He goes, now, if any of your parents ask, because I'm going to guess it was a little muffled on their side. I asked the ref, what were you freaking looking at? Not what they <laughs> thought they heard. And we're like, okay, Paul. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. So he, you kind of have a neat, non-traditional way of uh, getting where we all wind up. And that's the beer league, uh, you know, because I, I think most of us, at, at least these days now, because it's getting harder and harder to find enough kids to play uh, street hockey, yet alone in an organized uh, league for for ball hockey. Uh, so I, I think that's pretty cool. But when did you kind of start playing beer league full time on a regular basis? Um, it wasn't too far after that. Cause I never really stopped. Um, yeah. you know, I, we would go year round if we could. Um, mm-hmm. but what I, I actually took it, uh, another, uh, left turn, uh, when I got to be about 19, it was getting harder because the, the, the old team that we had kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. Not as many people were around people move away the whole thing. Well, uh, you know, it was just getting hard to find teams to play on and stuff. Yeah. Cause we were, S- I wasn't that good. Those SIA men's league times weren't very friendly either. Yeah. <laughs> so what I ended up doing is we started looking in and because we, we had done this in my neighborhood, we started playing roller hockey mm-hmm. and, uh, this is, you know, the first set of roller blades that came out, they weigh 4,000 pounds. Yeah. But we strapped them to our feet and we would play in the neighborhood and we tore them all up because it was on asphalt and, uh, but it was fun. But so we knew it was something we were like, if we could find a place where they, uh, you know, have roller hockey, that would be really cool. And we found a place when I was about 19 or 20, uh, in Chicago Heights, it was called roller blaze. Yep. I remember hearing of them. Yeah. And, uh, so we started, we, we had enough friends then that wanted to get into the roller hockey because it was cheaper. You didn't have to have mm-hmm. as many people on the team, like the whole ordeal. It's, it's half the price, half the amount of people out there. Cause it's four on four. And uh, so we put a team together of, you know, eight players, nine players and, and me. And I started playing roller hockey almost exclusively for about 20 years. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so you're playing roller hockey for 20 years. What brought you back to the ice? Um, well, I mean, I always wanted to get back on the ice. I just, once you get in, uh, once you get into one place and, uh, um, and you're, you're kind of ingrained in there and you're the goal and, you, and everyone's calling yeah. you to play for them and you're playing on five different teams. It's just hard to get in somewhere else. Yep. And, um, you know, I had moved around a couple of times, so there wasn't really a low ice rink, uh, until I moved where I moved 12 years ago, which I just moved away from in Plainfield, uh, the Canlan ice rink is right there on 55. And I lived a quarter of a mile from the front door. Mm-hmm. So one of the, uh, you know, I, I slowed down playing roller hockey and stuff. And, uh, one of the guys who I played on, on the roller hockey team and, and they closed the roller hockey rink at Homer Glen where we were playing. 
So they were lo- thinking of other things to do. And, and, and one of the guys that I used to play for said, Hey, uh, you know, we're going to be putting an ice hockey rank or ice hockey team together. Would you play? And I'm like, well, geez, I haven't played in 20 years. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm going to be any good, but like, I'll come out and try where, where are you guys playing? And he's like, Canlan. I'm like, Canlan it. Yeah, of course I'll play there. I've been <laughs> wanting to play there. You know, I I'd lived there for six years by then and I had never played there. Uh, yeah. Except for I went, I went there for like one rat hockey or something. Mm-hmm. So they put to put, they, they have, a, it's a D three team. They put it in and it was just a bunch of guys that were learning, but I went out there and I, I actually felt way more comfortable being on the ice than I was feeling playing roller. And yeah. then I, re, you know, I remembered why I, you know, what, why you like ice a little bit better. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, roller hockey. I love roller hockey, but I, it's hard on the goalies. It's hard on your knees. It's hard on your hips. As, as I'm getting older, I was getting injured more and more and more. Yeah. Uh, so I, I got out with this team and I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm like, I really like playing on the ice. Once I got used to being back on the ice and being able to slide again, I'm still not an expert at it by any means. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I'm much more comfortable than I was and it's been six years now. So, uh, you know, I bought some newer skates because I literally had 25 year old skates. I was wearing the big Bozo skates. Yeah. Hey, the, I'm still wearing my reactor fives that I bought 20 oh. years ago. And it's, I mean, you, you probably know the feeling it's like you get a pair of skates and they just become an extension of you. You're almost scared to get new ones. Although yeah, I just ordered a couple of weeks ago, my first new set of equipment in 21 years. So I think skates might be the next purchase after that. Uh, yeah, that's great. I haven't, I haven't, uh, gotten any, uh, any really new gear until just this year. Uh, like you, yeah. uh, I use the same, I have, uh, uh, DX two, uh, full, right. Blackhawks colors, glove and blocker that I've been using since probably 1999. Yep. That's when I bought my stuff. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, was able to find a pair of pads online from a guy who worked for Vaughn. Uh, they were black, uh, black Vaughn's. And I, I really liked them. I wanted a pair of black pads. So I bought them yep. but, like just this last year or this, actually probably three months ago, a guy, I, uh, a guy I saw on one of the uh, goalie Facebook message boards, uh, GGSU. Yep. Most goalies know what GGSU is. Yeah. If they're not on there, are they really a goalie? Yeah, right. Exactly. I got one. I, I, I got another story about GGSU and I'll tell you in a minute, but um, this guy, he posted up, it was full, right. Blackhawks colors, Brian's set. And I'm like, well, this is just calling my name. Yeah. Uh, and I, cause I had had such a hard time breaking in. I had bought three sets of equipment before that three sets of blocker and glove before that. And I couldn't break any of them in. So I ended up selling them because I was going out there and I just couldn't catch anything. And I felt so awkward. And so I was like, I've been very, very careful about my equipment because I, I, if one little thing's off, my whole game yeah. is a mess. Oh, I know. And I get my new glove because I got the Legacy 4000 where, I mean, the thing's this big. I think it's probably the biggest glove they ever made. So I know I'm not going to be catching pucks for the first several weeks. I have that new one, just getting used to the smaller modern specs. And it's like, oh, Lord, this is not going to, thank God, most. You know, people I'm going to be skating with probably haven't skated in a year because of COVID anyway, so it's not going to make that big of a difference. They're just going to think, you know, pucks are going by because they're not playing well either. So that'll help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, I, I, I was 
definitely, I was convinced that I was never going to be able to find a, a pair of brand new glove and blocker that uh, was ever going to be comfortable for me. Because mm-hmm. first uh, of all, you know, you put it on in a store, like you go to pure hockey or something and I'm left-handed. So it feels weird because they don't ever have left-handed versions no. you could try on in the store. No. And then, you know, uh, the gear, uh, you know, a lot of these pearl palms are very stiff and mm-hmm. like my DX2 is like really loose, nice and loose. Like I barely have to open my hand. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Uh, I, I thought about uh, some getting some like, uh, I think it's McKinney or yeah. yeah, I think it's McKinney. Um, my friend who also plays at Canlon as well, a goalie that he was my ball hockey goalie growing up. Um, but he, uh, he got some like secondhand and uh, it was McKinney, McKinney, McKeskey. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's two of them. There's like a McKinney McKeskey and uh, or Kineski Kineski. Oh yeah. Yep. And uh, he got a, a secondhand set and I'm like, Hey, can I come up and look at it? Cause like, I don't know anyone who owns this stuff and I don't know what the quality of it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, but I wanted them to like, I was going to have them build me like a custom set that has the same break in the glove as my old DX two, because they don't make gear like that anymore. Nope. And my wrist is used to being in that certain position yep. with those old gloves. They've changed it. Your wrist is kind of tilted a little further up. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that because that that's been one of my biggest anxiety points with the the new equipment is um you know how is it going to impact my game you know all of that stuff and when i place my order you know the fellows over at vaughn understand my predicament and so they've kind of worked with me to get specs as close to the old stuff as possible that they do today um not not your normal pure hockey specs we'll we'll put it that way yeah no not at all (laughs) yeah so what was that other GGSU story you had? Oh, <laughs> I don't know if this is ever going to get back to the guy, but I, it doesn't matter because it's a funny story. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm driving through Plainfield, Illinois to, to go get my kid from uh, the YMCA where it's like an after school program. And I'm driving down the main street and it's, you know, it's like really slow. You, you got you to drive through like 20 miles an hour or whatever. And something was happening and I was looking at my phone. So I was like driving, looking up, looking at my phone, up and down. And then I look up in the rearview mirror and there's a squad behind me and he flips his lights on. And I'm like, oh, all right, you know, I, I've been pulled over in forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pull over and the guy gets out of the car and um, he, he, he comes over to me and he goes, Hey, uh, you know, I pulled you over and uh, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I was looking at my phone. He's like, yeah, you were looking at your phone. He's, he's like, uh, I pulled you over. He goes, uh, listen, uh, I noticed you had a GGSU sticker on the back of your, your, uh, your truck. Are you goalie? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a goalie. <laughs> and uh, he goes, I am too. <laughs> and I'm like, really? I'm like, where do you play? He's like over at Canlan. I'm like, wow, what a small world, you know? Mm-hmm. and we kind of talked, we talked, you know, talked shop a little bit uh, just for like a minute. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to write your warning and I'll let you go for today. <laughs> so GTSU got me out of a ticket. <laughs> there we go. I love yeah. it. Yeah. That it, it's funny on how once you connect with somebody that you're a goalie, it's like, doesn't matter what else is going on, who's around. That's the conversation. Your best friend. So in fact, I was at my uh, 
brother-in-law's wedding reception a few weeks ago. And this guy comes walking in, does not look like he'd be playing hockey. All right. Uh, and all of a sudden it came out that he played hockey. He's like, you, you play hockey? He's like, yeah, I'm a goalie. It's like, wait a minute. Hang on. <laughs> the rest of the night, him and I were just standing in the corner with our beers drinking uh, and talking shop until it was time to go. And it was just funny. He's like, yep, <laughs> I got my person I, to talk to now. <laughs> I got another, another story that just recently came up. Um, and I was kind of like pointing this out to my wife. Cause I'm like, I was telling her like, you don't kind of understand how hockey is. Hockey yeah. is like a club. Once you're in the club, there's all these divisions of the club, but everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, I know this guy. I played with that guy. I did this, mm-hmm. you know, I, I played on a team in a tournament with this guy and it's, it's always like that. But she, uh, the other day, uh, last week we sold our home or two mm-hmm. weeks ago, we sold our home and uh, we go in, uh, uh, you know, to the closing and I, I sit down and we're just, we're just kind of talking, small talking with our lawyer and the other lawyers over there. And I'm, I'm like, you know, the one thing I'm really going to regret about moving from this house is that I'm not as close to the ice rink because I've never been that close to an ice rink before. Yeah. And like, I play there. It's easy for me to go. Liam, my son skates there and plays there. My daughter is, does learn to skate there as well. Like it, it was so easy for me to go back and forth. Like that's what I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. miss the most. And uh, my lawyer looks at me and goes, you play hockey? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I do too. And he's an older gentleman. Doesn't seem like he would be, you know, still playing sports. He says he plays, he's close to 60. He still plays with his buddies over in Indiana. Like, I'm like, wow, what a small world, you know? And then, you know, he's like, I, when, when Camlin opened, I was like on the board when they, you know, set it up and and everything and and got it running. I'm like, wow, that's really weird. I look across the table at the, at the lawyer for the, uh, the people who are buying the house. He looks at me, he goes, my kids played at Canlan. <laughs> I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. He's like, they're older now, like 13, 15 years old. He's like, but they all played in, in, you know, in, on teams at Canlan and stuff like that as well. So I'm like three out of the four groups in that room all had connection to playing hockey yep. in, in one particular rink. It well, was it, just so weird. It's funny on how you mentioned, you know, how it's just like a small community. When I was in college, I went to school in Minnesota and my coach, went on a recruiting trip and he's somewhere in the middle of Montana and you know, he's got his St. Mary's stuff on and he's in a rink and some player looks at him and he goes, Hey, you know, Joe Drennan? He goes, yeah. How, how do you know him? And he's like, oh, I used to play against him. I played for St. Rita and my coach comes back and he goes, do you know Brian Coleman? I go, yeah, I used to play against him. He goes, ran into him in Montana and he's asking about you. And I was like, you probably ran into the one person in the state of Montana that knows me. <laughs> but it was just funny on how, you know, you pop in somewhere and so, somehow there, there's that connection. Um, I, I, I liken it back to my dad was a fireman for 30 plus years, uh, almost 30 of them in Chicago. In fact, there's a uh, Stan Makita story in there. Um, but uh, we c- couldn't go on any vacation. Didn't matter where we went. He would either find a fireman he knew or see somebody else with a fireman t-shirt. And, you know, the old joke is, you're a fireman, I'm a fireman. Now the next 45 minutes, both families are just standing there like, are you guys done yet? Can we go on the next ride? You know, that was my the, old know. man was a volunteer fireman for about a decade in Chicago Ridge. So oh, yeah. okay. It, on top of being a Marine, 
And you know how the military guys are, you know, yep. you're a Marine. I'm a Marine. Oh, I was in a service. I was in a service. Like yeah. it's kind of a lot like that too. So I, I definitely saw it growing up that There's way. There's a good chance our dads know each other because not only was he on Chicago, but he spent time on North Palos uh, as a firefighter and he taught for the state of Illinois. So I'm going to guess that their, their paths crossed at least once or twice in some, some probably past. you yeah. say North Palos. Yeah. He was on North Palos. Yeah. For, uh, my dad, after my dad quit the, after my dad quit the fire department, um, he started working for the uh, Salvation Army Canteen that would okay. go out to the uh, that would go out to the uh, the fires and feed the firefighters. Yep. And the canteen uh, truck was out of North Palos. Well, yeah. Th- then he'll know because <laughs> the fire department is a family job. So my uncle was on North Palos. In fact, when my dad got on North Palos, he met my uncle, and my uncle introduced him to my mom because he was married to my aunt and as my dad says i've never forgiven him since uh but my uncle was on north palos until he retired and sometime in the 90s so that yeah that they probably know each other too they probably yeah they probably did but my my dad got to start in the fire department in oakbrook uh back in the 70s and sam mckita lived in oakbrook at the time and he was out of town but lightning struck their house and his wife was home and my dad responded to the fire. And then when the season ended, Stan started coming to the firehouse every Saturday with a coffee cake for the guys and would just sit and, you know, BS with them. And I, when the Target and Crestwood opened, my mom was working there and they brought in Bobby Hall and Stan Makita. And I didn't re- know this until uh, just recently when my mom was visiting, but she was in charge of setting up the car that was supposed to go get them. Well, she intentionally sent the car an hour early, knowing that they would get there an hour before the store opened and that I would be there <laughs> to get autographs. So they, there you go. they show up and the general manager, his kids were there too, because they played hockey of all the employees at the Target and Crestwood. They were, you know, we were the only hockey players whose parents worked there. So we're sitting there. And so the GM's like, well, why don't you guys just go back in my office with these two guys? And you know, Bobby Hall was Bobby Hall, just his normal, energetic, charismatic self telling stories. And Stan was just kind of quiet and reserved. And, uh, you know, and then I said, you know, my dad says he knows you from back in Oak Brook. And he was just kind of like, oh, yeah. I said, yeah, I worked on the fire department. And he just kind of stopped. And then it was like a light switch. He was like, he was my best friend at that point. And it just That's kind great. of made that connection with them. Um, so before, before I forget, I, I want to keep things moving along because I have a feeling we could talk mm-hmm. a bunch of South Side stories yes, and haunts for a long time. Um, not to mention, you know, the, the bar above SIA and how it always looked like nobody's parents were at the game because of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so somewhere along the way, you start kind of covering hockey in one way or another with the rink dot com the rink hyphen dot com uh for those looking it up um how did that start and you know what got you into that uh well i've always kind of been a, a writer like professional writer uh that's mm-hmm. not my profession but i've always you know I was, I was always really good at writing papers and things like that uh through high school and stuff like that and as i got out of high school um you know, I would write little things here and there on the internet on MySpace or whatever. Yeah. And they always got good, you know, they always got received pretty well. Um, 
but you know, I was being, I was a big hockey fan, but I vowed in about like 1999 uh, that the way Bill Wurtz was destroying that team, I was not going to give him a single cent. So I didn't right. watch any games yep. or go to any games from like 1999 to like uh, 2007. I forget uh, who it was. I think it somebody on the radio said they the newspapers needed to have a uh, dollar bill Wirtz health meter every day in the paper to find out when we could rejoice and yeah. have a winning team again. And he was right. Once he died, they, they got a winning team. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as he died, and I know this is cryptic, but I said it then. I, I was happy that day because we knew things were going to change. Yep. Games were going to be able to be broadcast on TV. They had already started, you know, down the road of, you know, uh, drafting Taves and, and, and Kane and that whole mm-hmm. ordeal was, was already ramping up. You could see that the team was probably going to be better. And I was always a hockey fan. I just was not going to give money to the worst family. And also, you know, early in the 2000s, I had gotten to like deeply into like uh, doing media design for uh, heavy metal bands. Mm-hmm. So I was I was tied up like hockey was just a moonlight thing that I did like once a week or twice a week uh, late at night. And, yeah. and like, I didn't even watch hockey much after that. So then uh, I, I, once the Blackhawks, you know, I was kind of writing, just writing things down, my thoughts down and just kind of posted them on Facebook. And I'm like, you know what? I, you know, I started thinking like a lot of these things I'm putting down, like are just things off the top of my head, just my experience from watching the game, yep. you know, being a goalie, you playing, and all that stuff. It's just things that, you know, after you, after a while, you just see these, there's just things that play in your head. Like you could see a play happen and you're like, Oh, this guy did this and yep. this happened. This is why he turned the wrong, you know, this way, where you're expecting the puck to come off a stick a certain way, things like that. And I was just, I would write them down because I liked writing and it was just something for me to get my ideas out. And, and, and so I started writing about the Blackhawks before uh, you know, they, they won the cup in 2010 just kind of on my own, just writing down my thoughts about each game that I watched. I would write down some thoughts and, and I would put it online. And uh, they like some of these things are all things I would hear from the other announcers or analysts. And I'm not saying I'm an announcer and an analyst. I'm just saying things that I saw, some of, some of them also noticed and would yep. bring up and point out. So, uh, you know, I started writing, I decided in 2010, I'm like, this is like the best thing in my life. Like them winning the cup. This, you know, I saw the White Sox do it uh, at that point in time. That was great, but oh, and I'd seen the Bulls do it several times. That was yep. great, but it was not a hockey team. So yep. it was the Blackhawks, the team I had, you know, been rooting for since 1984. Now had won actually won a Stanley Cup because they broke my heart. My senior year in high school was 1991 or 1982 when they lost and yep. they got swept in the finals. They that would have been my gift, you know, my great gift uh, for my graduation would have been them winning the cup. Yeah. But um, so anyway, in 2010, they won the cup and uh, I'm like, well, I'm going to move this over into something more of a, you know, better online so people could see what I'm writing instead of like me just filling up my Facebook page with it or whatever. <laughs> so I started a, a website called Puck and Hostel, mm-hmm. which you, if you'll notice, my Twitter handle is Puck and Hostel um, because of the, the, the mix between metal, heavy metal and hockey. Uh, yeah. because it was a natural for me. I'm a big, huge metal head. I had worked for metal bands, still work for metal bands. Uh, and I also enjoyed hockey, which you see a lot with like McKenna and, yeah. and they're, they're big metal heads. Like yeah, uh, Robin Leonard. A few goalies. Yeah. There's just something about 
gets you ready for the game. I mean, Robin Leonard, he had how many uh, masks with uh, the band in flames, which is one of my mm-hmm. favorite bands. Well, um, and then you know, uh, uh, Jay Weinberg, he's a goalie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From Slayer. Or I mean, yeah. from Slipknot. Sorry. Yeah. Slipknot. I love to get him on, but uh, haven't, haven't gotten. A you never know, man. You never yeah. know what could happen. I was thinking about reaching out to him myself on our own podcast. that we're going to be having um, at some point in time and seeing if he might want to come on, but he's a, he's a Predators fan. So if I was doing my, my Blackhawks podcast, yeah. I don't think he would have, uh, he would have wanted to come yeah. on as, as the enemy. Yeah. Well, I, I almost moved down to Nashville this last year and we're, we're putting that off for five years. So the kids are done with high school till we, we do that. Um, so yeah, m- maybe that's when he'll wind up on the podcast. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, well, I started puck and hostel and it was just me getting my thoughts out there. Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of saw, you know, what the online coverage was of the Blackhawks and it wasn't all that great nope. and it wasn't any better than what I was doing. So I just kept putting it out there, kept putting it out there. Uh, and you know, I got a pretty decent following. I'm not going to say anyone, you know, anything great, but after a couple of years, a kid, cause, uh, that ball hockey league, I went back after I aged out and I started coaching there mm-hmm. and I didn't have any kids there. We was just me and my friend coaching, trying to pass on our knowledge yeah. to kids and teach them. And, uh, we would actually, we were the coaches of their traveling team as well. We would have tryouts and then we would take their traveling, their senior traveling team, which is all high school age kids to Pennsylvania to play in tournaments. But, um, so I coached several kids from 1995 till 2000, you know, whenever I stopped in 2007 or 2008, um, in 2013, I wanted to get a podcast started, but I'm not a guy who's once, who's going to talk to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, I need someone that I feel comfortable with that I can, we can bounce things off of and have a good time. I wanted, you know, to integrate humor into it. I wanted to integrate, you know, sound bites and all kinds, you know, a little bit of the crazy morning zoo type, more than just a, a two guys online talking hockey. Yeah. So we would joke around, we'd have joking contests and things like, but anyway, um, this, this guy, Pat, that uh, I coached, he was a goalie uh, when he was younger. Um, I had heard through the grapevine that he was actually doing some writing, some loose writing on some blog somewhere. Uh, I don't remember the, what the name of it was at the time, but I know it's defunct now. And uh, I, I reached out to him. I'm like, hey, would you want to come on and we'll, we'll just get on and we'll do a podcast. We'll just talk hockey and we'll just joke around. Because uh, I knew he had, a, he had a good sense of humor and everything. And he's like, yeah, that sounds like fun, you know? So I, I the, the first one, it was called the Pocket Hostel Shoutcast. And it was started in 2013. And uh, <clears throat> we would, uh, we, we, we started that up. And then I was like, well, let's do another one together. And then let's do another one together. And then let's do another one together. And it turned out, you know, it just started being like, we did, we both did this together. We mm-hmm. were a team on this thing. Yeah. And then um, he started writing on my website. He's like, I mean, he's like, if I'm going to write, why don't I just come over on your website? You can I can write what I want, what I want to say. It doesn't have to be, you know, ed- heavily edited or anything like that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, come on over. And we started that. And and that's where Puck and Hostel uh, went from 2013 or no, 2010, sorry, until about 2017. Uh, we, we all did that together. And then we kind of started to get burned out. Uh, and a friend of mine uh, who had been on the podcast several times, his name's John Jekyll. He uh, was the big poster for the Blackhawks over on hockey buzz for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came to me and he's like, I'm thinking of kind of trying to do my own thing. And I had been on the podcast with you and I know, you know, kind of our ideas align and stuff like that. So he's like, would you want to start your own thing? 
And I had turned down a couple of other offers before that to like come and be the Hawks guy for these, you know, kind of not media conglomerate, but you know, a a bigger company that had a Chicago division. And I told him, no, it just didn't feel right to me. I I just like, I can't let my baby go because I created this. I built it from the ground, ground up, unless I have the real feeling of wanting, you know, to move on. Like I'm very, very comfortable with doing it. And I got along really well with John and things were, uh, you know, getting more busy for me. I couldn't write as much and things like that. So we decided to start the dash rink.com, which you can see on the hat. Yeah. Um, we're like, you know, we, cause we were able to get someone a uh, founding sponsor, which is puckhockey.com. You can see on the thing. Um, and they make hockey heavy, heavy metal themed hockey wear, which I'm like, what is more perfect? I was actually right. a fan of them. <laughs> so it all kind of just, it, it made sense. So we yeah. started this thing and our, I, our hope was we'd start with Chicago because we were both Chicago guys, but we wanted to open up divisions for as many other uh, hockey teams and cities as possible. Yeah. And uh, that was in 2017. Uh, and now, you know, you could see I'm doing, I moved from Chicago to the Seattle beat. I uh, got kind of fed up with Chicago for, for, for now. And uh, John's <laughs> going to probably move over and do Columbus because he lives in Columbus. Yep. And we've got uh, some great people run the Chicago division. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're having a great time. Columbus is an undercover, really sneaky, good hockey market. I have family that lives in Columbus. They're diehard Blue Jackets fans. And it's just, it's almost like it's too small of a city for it to really be obvious of how big of hockey fans they are there. Yeah. And uh, we also have a Colorado division. I don't want to forget yep. about them. We got a guy who runs our Colorado division. They're nice and quiet and they do their, like they do their stuff. We don't ever, they, they don't ever rustle any feathers. So that's why sometimes yeah. it's easy to leave them out of the conversation, but they're doing a great job there. Yeah. But yeah, back to Columbus, we went out, I went there a couple of times for Blackhawks games and um, it was a great time. Like, even though we were Chicago fans, yep. it was still a great time going there and watching hockey. Yeah. The people of Ohio, as long as you're not going to a Buckeye game wearing Michigan stuff, they're pretty darn cool at their games. Uh, and <laughs> it's funny. I mentioned that my uncle is a huge Buckeye fan. I mean, he doesn't leave the house without a Buckeye nut in his pocket just because. So when him and my aunt got married, I was like, me five, six years old. I showed up at the wedding reception with the Michigan t-shirt on just because oh, that's, that's who I am. Uh, he still has not forgiven me all these years later. He's, <laughs> he sees the humor in it, but he still won't forgive me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, John who lives in Columbus. I mean, you, you wouldn't know it, but he grew up in the Chicagoland area. So that's why he's so tuned into the Blackhawks and, and stuff, but uh, he's from Columbus and, and he's over the the running inside gag joke is like when is what is the the point of the podcast when he's going to bring up how great the Columbus Blue Jackets are <laughs> because his wife is a big Blue Jacket fan and he's become one as well. Yeah, well, I, they've had teams that uh, they tease you just enough to think they're going to be great to you know get you watching them and get you excited. So I, I can see how that happens. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, one, one thing we can't ignore, too, is, you know, the rink merchandise is pretty killer looking, too. Um, <laughs> people Thanks. need to yeah, check I it out. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah we, we actually went uh, to Puck Hockey, Puck Hockey and said, hey, could, will you design our stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we don't, like, we don't want to just put, throw together some crazy stuff 
that's that's really poor quality. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to do something that was nice if the fans were going to be nice enough to buy them. So, and it's really nice to have a company that's actually a distributor of merchandise. Yeah. They can. Yeah. So if anyone wants to go buy anything from that site, from puckhockey.com, if you use the rink, uh, you get 10% off on all of your orders. So, uh, and it's not like we're, we're doing it for kickbacks or anything like that. We're just doing it because we like the stuff. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they, they give us a, a, a deal, a 10% deal on, you know, merchandise and stuff like that. So all the stuff that I bought is slightly cheaper than it should have been. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's funny. Like I've got some threadless stuff on my website and it's like, no, I'm just hoping to maybe cover a portion of the web hosting fees. If, if I'm lucky, <laughs> you know, not getting rich off of this stuff here. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's how it is over at the rink. I mean, we don't, we don't, we do, we do this out of our, uh, out of our free time for free. And actually I'll be honest, John and I are out of pocket. We're yep. out of pocket for, to, to be able to provide the content that we provide. Yeah. So just to be able to like get anything to like take the edge off of a hosting fee for a podcast or a, or the website. I mean, yep. like I designed the website. We didn't have anyone professionally do it. That was me. I am. I did all of it. And, um, it took a lot of time to get it all together and get it up and working. And it's like, we, we don't have extra disposable income for that stuff. No. So it's like, you know, any little bit that we could get to, to, to help us shave off that debt for, from, for doing this is, uh, is nice. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing on my side. It's just, it's a labor of love and, you know, you start doing it cause it gives you an outlet to, you know, talk hockey with people that want to listen to you because at some point your wife and kids get tired of hearing it. <laughs> I yes. know that that was one of the reasons my wife and kids wanted me to start the podcast or like, maybe if you talk to other people about it regularly, you'll stop talking to us about it. And it, it works sometimes, but I'm still boring them from time to time with uh, my stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, they, they, my, my wife would get tired of it because it was like, even when I was doing puck and hostel and she's been, you know, we've been together pretty much the whole time I've been doing this website. Uh, I was doing my old website and everything. So she's pretty much known me as a writer about the mm-hmm. Blackhawks almost the entire time we've been together. And uh, like for the first, and I don't even know how I did this. I, I right now I couldn't do it. Uh, but for the, like from 2010, right after they won the cup, I kind of started my site and, and moved everything off of Facebook till, um, till, Pat came on with me in 2013. I watched and wrote about every single Blackhawks game. Yep. You know, that's one of the things too, as I found is doing this gives us that excuse as to why we need to watch that game. Like, no, I need the remote. You can't watch real housewives. I got to watch the game. Why you got to do that? Well, I'm going to be talking to somebody tomorrow about the game. Okay. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and man, uh, it, it, it was hundreds of games, you know, every year yep. that I had to watch every single one of them. And I wrote about every single one of them in those, uh, because I was obsessive about it. Those West coast late night games they they can get to you sometimes. Yeah. And I would have like, you have to figure out a, a way to get it, you know, before DVRs or something like that, you know, to be able to do stuff like that. And there was only a handful of times where I had, or I had to construct like a, a game recap, uh, from like just the highlights or just the, uh, you know, the condensed game, yep. which is like a 10 minute set of highlights. Uh, there was, cause nothing's perfect. There's no way that I could watch every single, uh, you know, Blackhawks game, uh, 
for in that time yeah uh, and not miss some of them with kids and the whole thing and life and yep. work and all that stuff it's funny because during the championship runs you know my my folks live out in north carolina now so during games me and my dad would be texting each other back and forth and uh if I was not going to be watching the game live to start, I would have to send him a text like, I'm DVRing the game. I will let you know when I'm back to live hockey. And it was just understood like, okay, no text about the game until I get that one from you that you're back to live hockey. Otherwise, I'm going to spoil it for you. And we don't want to do that. And there were times where I got the same one from him, like, hey, we're going out to eat tonight. I'll let you know when I'm back. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> it was just like the no. Nope. That's a good way to go about it because, yeah, it could definitely get spoiled. Yeah. It, it, my wife was uh, working for a company and she was at an event, and one of her coworkers was also from Chicago and a huge Hawks fan. And it was a playoff series. And I, I think it was a game seven in one of the earlier rounds. And like me, he was DVRing the game and it was about 30 minutes past the start of the game. And he's walking by and she goes, Hey, did you hear about the game? And you know, she just kind of ribbing. He's like, shut up. I don't like you. Just like runs away. (laughs) (laughs) She just starts laughing. She's like, I'm not going to spoil it for you. I promise. Um, So I'm trying to be conscious of time. Uh, If you've listened to any of the podcasts, you'll, you'll know, I, end with a series of 10 rapid fire questions that aren't so rapid because they bring up more stories. Uh, but the first one is what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing or coaching days? Oh God. Um, geez. Uh, I think from the coaching side, it's more from the coaching side and the way the kids act, because um, you know, I never really growing up uh, other than the ball hockey, I didn't have like a formal uh, coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was more from when I was the coach and the way, uh, you know, we would do these trips where we'd take these, these kids to, uh, Pennsylvania to play because deck hockey, they call it deck hockey out there. Yeah. Um, they, it's huge out there. It's huge. Yeah. They've got seven, eight rinks and they did back then too. They just moved them around and they're all sponsored by the penguins. And like these leagues are from four years old till men's league and they run all every day of the week and like they're huge. Mm-hmm. And um, so we would pick these teams and we take these high school age kids and we're not that far out of high school. Yeah. You know, I'm in my twenties probably. Um, What's so, wrong with mom and dad letting their kid go with a bunch of their friends and some barely older yep. guys. Yeah, we would. And, and back then, like now it's, now it's like the parent takes their kid out there and the parent is responsible for, you know, booking a room. The parent is responsible mm-hmm. for then getting the kid to the rink, but it wasn't like that back then, back then it was, they rent a big van. Mm-hmm. What's what's stranger than a whole, but than a pair, a pair of guys that are in their twenties with a whole van full of high school kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we would do this every year. And um, there was this hotel we would stay at. And it was really run down. It's still there. Uh, I drove by it when we went to Pennsylvania because my, now my kid plays on the travel team going to Pennsylvania, which has <laughs> come full circle. It's really yeah. weird. But um, we there was this uh, hotel where the reason that they booked it every year is because they didn't get that upset about the shenanigans that would go on with these kids. <laughs> so you can imagine the quality of the hotel that it was there yeah. in uh, Penn Hills, Pennsylvania. 
shout out to Penn Hills, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and um, so uh, we, we get there and probably I would say half the hotel is like dark closed mm-hmm. down. And they had like a, uh, like a ballroom kind of thing at one part of the hotel. It was very big and open. You could look over like these balconies to look down into like what used to be maybe a banquet area. Yeah. And uh, so where we get there and we get the kids, you know, one, it's one adult with uh, a group of kids per room. So you have to have a chaperone, of course. So that's what we're doing. And uh, we, heard through the grapevine from one of the kids that they were doing some crazy stuff at the other end of the hotel so me and my uh my other coach go walking over there and in this big ballroom there was like all the mattresses they had taken out of all of the dark rooms and they'd stacked them up sideways just all all right up against each other and what these kids had done is they had taken about four or five of them, laid them down, and were jumping off the balcony. It's only the second floor, but it's off the balcony that overlooks the the the, ba- uh, the banquet room onto these mattresses. And, and of course, we had to squash this really quick. Yeah, so I'm like, what are you guys doing? You guys are a bunch of idiots. What are you doing? You kill yourselves. You missed that thing. Like, no one got hurt in the end, and it was a lesson mm-hmm. learned. But that was probably one of the craziest things that I experienced. <laughs> And at the same time, you're looking at going, that looks kind of fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what was your favorite all-time goalie mask? Oh, um, you know, I could go Ed Bell for it, but it's a really played out mask. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, my favorite, that, that uh, and it wasn't of my favorite player. We didn't even discuss who my favorite player was, but um, this Darren Pang, had an early mask that was the Indian headdress. He was one of the first people to do it. He did it before Jeff Hackett did it. Yep. And it had like an orange tinge to it. Yeah. And I've never really been able, I I found a picture that I think might be the the mask that I was thinking of, but it was back then having a mask with a headdress on it was so cool. It was a great idea because no one had done it before. Yep. So that's, that's the one that always sticks out in my memory other than the mask from uh, Youngblood which I actually have tattooed on my arm. <laughs> That's uh, a pretty good that, one too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know what one you're talking about for paying and th- that was a sweet looking mask. And it's interesting. Cause like it's a mask that makes so much sense for the Hawks. Jeff Hackett's was so beautifully done, but I don't think you'll see another Hawks helmet like that. Now that they've made the decision, you know, rightfully so they don't want fans wearing headdresses to the game, but how do you send down this edict that, fans can't wear that to the game. And then you let your goalie paint one on his helmet. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. That's definitely going to change. Yeah. I mean that, that Jeff Hackett one was gorgeous. Uh, I, yeah. I may have done an art project or two based off of that mask in high school. <laughs> um, I knew I had a friend who I mentioned earlier that he's still a goalie, still plays up at Canlon. Yeah. Actually, if you look him up, he paints goalie masks. His name is, his name is Don McClellan, uh, Mac masks on Facebook. If you look it up, He's a great artist. He was a great artist back in school. He took one of those old Milek when they first made the Milek masks that yeah. had the cages on them. He hand painted that mask to match Darren Pang's mask because oh, cool. he had to have it back yeah. then. And I'm like, I, I'm, 
I realized what a great artist he was back then. And now look what he's turned out to be. But um, that, that amazed me. I love that. Even when his version of the mask was just yeah. so cool. Now you mentioned that we haven't touched on your favorite player. Who's your favorite player? Mike Vernon. Mike, you know, he, he was the red wing. That was hard to hate. The thing about it was though, I didn't like him as a red wing. I only liked as, him as a Calgary flame. Yep. That was a good time to like him though. Because uh, I started watching hockey in 1986 mm-hmm. when the final between Watt and Vernon, Vernon, mm-hmm. they were both rookie goalies. I wanted to be a goalie and the Calgary flames were kind of the underdog. And I always had a, had a thing for vote, you know, like in the underdog back then I was in sixth grade or whatever. Yeah. So Mike Vernon was my guy and you know, he was a shorter dude. I'm a shorter dude. Like a lot of things fit together. So Mike Vernon was my guy. I mean, when, when he went to the wings, I still liked him as a player. I yeah. certainly didn't like the, you know, anything <laughs> that he did on the ice. Yeah. No, I, I except for beat him. up Patrick Waugh. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like you talk about the wings. I remember I, come home from high school and my mom goes, they, they traded Chris Chelios. And I go, just tell me it wasn't to the wings. And she just looks at me and like walks away. as like, son of a bitch. It was like, now I can't like Chris Chelios anymore. And I remember I go upstairs and I turn on Q101 and they announced that he's been traded. And then they played uh, praise you like I should. And I was <laughs> like, oh, what a perfect song for that moment and then it was like and now we hate chris chelios <laughs> i've got i've got a, i've got a, a slight story about chris chelios too and i'll make it quick so we would go to do uh skating up a saint spectrum my brother yep. biggest dennis savard fan you'll ever meet in your life mm-hmm. love dennis savard like worships the you know plays yeah. like him all that stuff my brother's all dressed up got his dennis savard jersey on he's about to go get on the ice who comes off the ice chris chelios he just turned, kind of looks at my brother's jersey. He's like, nice jersey. And then turns around and walks away. <laughs> yeah. You know, because of where we grew up, you know, it wasn't uncommon to run into Chelios. You know, there, uh, I work at the Oakland Ice Rink in high school. And the day he gets back from Nagano, and he's not a happy camper because of what happened, his kid's got a game. And so he comes to the game, and all of these kids are coming up to him. And it's like, anybody that was old enough to know is like, today's not a good day, but every kid that came up to him, he looked at him, he smiled at him and gave him his autograph. And it was like, all right, doesn't matter that you're playing for the wings these days, class act and ran into him a couple other times when he, I was in college when he brought the cup back to Evergreen park. And my mom went up to see it. I was like, how could you do that? She's like, it's the cup is like, but a red wing brought it. And <laughs> like, I don't care that it's the cup, at least like, I, I went and saw the cup when Nick Letty brought it back to Eden Prairie, Minnesota, because that's where I live these days up in Minnesota. It's like, that makes sense. Like, he was a hawk when he won it. And so I, I still give my mom grief every now and then that she went and saw <laughs> Red Wing with the Stanley Cup. Uh, so the next question, your favorite rink that you've played at? Favorite rink that I've played at? What's probably going to – my ice hockey rinks, I've only played, you know, in a handful of them. Mm-hmm. Um I would say there's um, there's actually it's not because it's the nicest rink. It's because it's kind of one of the most interesting rinks. There's an inline hockey rink mm-hmm. in Cincinnati, Ohio. And, and anyone who's a f- uh, fan of Nasher on YouTube can see his videos. He actually plays there too. Uh, I went out there to play some roller hockey tournaments and 
basically next to the rink are zip lining and they have all kinds of stuff like, you know, zip lining and, and kids parties and <laughs> rock walls and all that yeah. stuff around the rink while you're playing roller hockey in the middle of all this chaos. I would say that one just because of how interesting it was. Yeah, that's, and that's pretty cool. When, when you said it, not because it's the nicest is like, do not say Saint Spectrum. Nobody will ever say that's their favorite rink. <laughs> no, no, not for sure. And no. and I also want to say, um, shout out to uh, this guy Keith Schultz. Used to run Blackhawk Up. He used to work at SIA. So we kind of uh, now and then you'll see us kind of jabbing back and forth about. Well, it's no SIA or anything like yeah. that. But yeah, yeah. God, I I have fond memories of that rink because I went to the Murray Bannerman Learn to Skate there. That's how I I learned how to skate was at that. That one, because uh, my dad, one of his uh, co-workers at the firehouse, Mr. Carbono, he was one of the uh, skating instructors for that. He's like, yeah, starting up, should sign him up. And it's like, oh, yeah, I, I want to go to that one. If it, Murray Bannerman's running, of course I'll go. Um, I'm so jealous of you. I would have loved to have done that. Yeah. Murray Bannerman, man. Well, it was funny because I remember like going to that. It's like, one day I'm going to be as good of a hockey player as him and then i watched the uh, stadium series alumni game from minnesota at tcf bank stadium and i'm going yep that day's come i'm now a better hockey player than Murray <laughs> <Batterman."> <laughs> you know, i think but. i may have just surpassed tony O the last time he skated <laughs> <laughs> well yeah the uh, god rest his soul i, I won't yeah. make the the bad joke <laughs> yeah right no i got you yeah Tony um, Oh man, he, he he was great, man. Yeah, so and he's the, lefty too. Yeah, he he was, and God, he, the way he revolutionized the position, you know, as I said to several people, you know, Glenn Hall was the grandfather of the butterfly, but Tony Esposito revolutionized it. Yeah, and uh, he he changed the way the game was played because of it, you know. And then, then there's the story of him having the fishing line between the legs of his hockey pants to stop uh-huh. the pucks. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I went that day. I met uh, Bobby Hall and Sam Makita. Bobby was telling us that story and he said, you know, when he got caught and heavily fined, he said, it didn't matter what the number of pucks had stopped. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, and, it was well worth it. Yeah. And as worth I say, cent. how much truth there is to that story, we don't know. Cause it was still a Bobby Hall story, but there's gotta yeah. be some truth in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, so th- this is a question I like to ask always, cause we all seem to have that one. What's your favorite stick that you've ever used? Curtis curve, baby. Oh, you, you were one of those guys using that. I love the Curtis curve. <laughs> now yep. I, you know, now I realize that those things were heavy as hell. Oh yeah. And, but at the time I loved it because I like at the time I like to go paddle down a lot mm-hmm. and that helped with the paddle down. Plus, you know, picking up the stick. Uh, it's got the curve at the, at the, yeah. uh, the butt end. So, you, you know, no matter which way it lays on the ice and even if you don't have a big butt end, you could still get it up off the ice. Yep. That was by far my favorite stick. I loved it. See, I, I, I was kind of like a bread and hope where I would go with the full roll of tape on, on the knob when I was younger now, not so much, but, uh, so to me that the Curtis curve was never an option because it's like, well, I'm not going to get it down all the way. Um, but I, yeah. I had buddies and goalie camps that had them. And of course we all tried it out. Um, but I, I, I used the Christian six too for an awful long time. Uh, even, me too. Even me too. Yeah. I've them. moved on now. I use warriors like 
the swaggers and the woodies, just the cheap that, ones. That's what I'm using. Um, so if, if you use the Christian, I know you, you had to have done it too. When that, uh, heel starts spreading apart, like a sponge, you throw a little wood glue in there and put it in the vice overnight to give it some yeah. more life. Of course. And everybody tape just throw a little tape over it. Yeah. You're good yeah. to go. Everybody who had a Christian goalie stick did that. <laughs> and if, if they say they didn't do it, it's like, well, then I don't believe that you used a Christian goalie stick. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So what's your favorite youth hockey memory? Youth hockey memory. Oh boy. Uh, I don't know if there's uh it's again, I don't know that this is necessarily a good story, but it's a story. <laughs> and, and I still tell my kids this because it's not like this anymore. Uh, but it was definitely uh, like this uh, when I was younger in the ball at that ball hockey league, Southwest ball hockey. Um, they were having a hard time getting high school age kids to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I of course always played cause I loved it so much. It was so yeah. much fun and I got to play against my buddies and stuff like that. Uh, so what they, what they said is you could go out, and you could bring your friends to come play and uh, you know, they could play on your team as long as we just get people out here to play. So we could have four teams to play the season. So I, uh, I, I ended up getting a team and my other friends and some of the people I played football against played on some other teams. So you, you can imagine that a bunch of people who all know each other yeah. are now being competitive at a, you know, in a league level, it's not just playing, you know, at the tennis courts at home, this is now we're playing for something, you know, a trophy, whether it's a trophy or whatever. Yeah. Well, it got pretty hairy, a couple games, uh, in high school kids being, you know, full of testosterone. Yeah. Uh, yelling and screaming and and wanting to win and beat the next guy or whatever. Got it. Uh, we ended up, uh, with a couple of fights, uh, and some of them rolled uh, out into the parking lots of the <laughs> Southwest ball hockey, uh, got people in a lot of trouble, and uh, they had to go against you know up against the board. It, they have to go in front of the board to not get suspended. Yeah. I was a pretty low key kid, like I didn't get involved in a lot of the the, the tr- you know like I knew my dad would have murdered me because my yeah. dad was a referee there. My yeah. dad would have been a marine, being one. Of his, being one of the referees in the league, my dad would have murdered me if I would have gotten involved in a fight. Right. So I was just like, you knew where the line was. <laughs> yeah. But I watched, you know, a fight roll into the parking lots, uh, you know, and oh, the police almost have to be called. Yeah. Uh, and that was one of, you know, one of the games. <clears throat> yeah. So I against was, friends, I was thinking about this uh, last night laying in bed where that rink is. It's like right next door is the old Keebler plant yes or building and then on the other side of the keyboard building which when we were little kids mom and dad had us convinced that the keyboard trees were in there and the elves lived in there um but you know there's <laughs> a three four year old you're pretty gullible um but right next door it i forget it's some kind of apprentice school now but it was uh the moraine valley satellite um, yeah it's the ibew now electric yeah i think it's yeah it's the electric uh where they teach it's all the union guys. One of it was, my, yeah, it was Marine Valley back then. Yeah, one of my dad's um, uh, side jobs from the fire department was security guard for Marine Valley. And every so often, he would have to do an overnight over there. And there was a few times where he brought me with. And, you know, he had this little handheld black and white TV we'd bring with and watch Three Stooges. But he'd bring my uh, 
hot wheel with too, my transformers hot wheel. And I would ride that thing through that school and he'd open up the doors of the gym and I'm pull, you know, burning uh hot wheel <laughs> donuts great. in the gym. And there were a few times like, Oh shit, you left marks on the uh, gym floor with your hot wheel. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. So I, every time I drive by there, when I'm back in town, I kind of chuckle to myself that I rode my hot wheel through that whole thing. <laughs> it, yeah. It's such a niche that rank over there is such a niche thing. Yeah. And all the, it, you don't find this in like, like, like I said, like in Pittsburgh and stuff like that, you don't find the, the where you have like the, as much of the ice hockey snobs mm-hmm. as you do in Chicago. Like, it's like, if do you play hockey, oh, oh yeah. Where do you play? Oh, I play ball hockey. Oh, ball hockey. That's not hockey. Like, yeah. It, there was a lot of that because it's like, and then, and again, that kind of what pushed me over to ice hockey a little bit too. It's like, I want to be considered a real hockey player. <laughs> like I, I'm not considered a real hockey player, even though I know I'm a real hockey player. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not considered it because it was the snob thing. And then the ice hockey players wouldn't play ball hockey because they're, they look down on it. It's beneath them. Yeah. You know, but this with the COVID thing happening, they shut down all the ice rinks yep. in the area. So a bunch outside. of the, a bunch of the ice hockey kids are like, well, if I, I want to play hockey somewhere. So yeah. their, their parents signed them up. We had, they had more this last year. They had more ice hockey kids than they've ever had. And what they found out, these kids loved it. Yeah. They loved it. And they come back and they're coming back now. So it's not, hopefully it's bridging the gap a little bit because yeah. to me, hockey's hockey. I don't care if it's roller. I don't care if it's deck. I don't care if it's ice. Hockey's hockey. Yeah. You got to be good to, to be able to compete at hockey. And my, any hockey. my high school coach would get frustrated with us, uh, especially early in the season, because every day after school, when there wasn't snow on the ground, we would meet up at the one, uh, there's that little elementary school, Evergreen Park Elementary School, right next to Mother Macaulay. And they had a beautiful blacktop parking lot. And we would meet up there every day after school and play roller hockey until it got dark. And our coach would just get so frustrated because we'd be doing drills and you got to do tight turns and everybody's taking these roller hockey turns. Yeah. yeah. You guys have been out there playing roller hockey too much again. You got to cut it out here. It's impacting your game out here. And we're like, calm down. We'll get back into it. We just haven't skated in a while. (laughs) It was just funny. He he encouraged it because it was just free flowing hockey unstructured that that's where you get good. Um, mm-hmm. and he, he understood that, but he, he just hated the, uh, the turning aspect of it. <laughs> well, that's where you kind of learn of your, you, you learn what kind of a player you are. Yeah. You know, you can't do that in a, in a, in a super structured, like coached environment. Yeah. Cause it's like the coach wants you to do certain things to, you know, to get, get the game moving, but your personality comes out when you're playing just with your friends, you figure yep. out, you know, are you a dangler? Are you a shooter? Are you a passer? Are you defensive guy? Are you, yep. you know, a goalie? You know, what kind of goalie are you stand up goalie? Are you a goalie that goes down a lot? Like that's where it's all put together. Yeah. I I mean, up here in Minnesota, they they play as much pond hockey as they do street hockey because of we can. And my son, he he hasn't played organized hockey because of they don't have hustle hockey up here, which I think is a huge miss. Yeah. And because of that, it's six to eight nights you know sessions a week that he'd be on the ice and to him that's too much but once the ponds freeze over he loves it he's down there all the time skating and he's always trying to put on the pads that are because 
I don't know who, where they came from, but there's just a neighborhood set of pads down at the pond. And, you know, it's just kind of understood, no lifting the puck. So you just have these, you know, leg pads on and some gloves and a stick and no mask, no chest protector. And he absolutely loves it. And then this year we had the, uh, well, the past couple of years, my neighbors had the backyard rink this year, it hopped over into my yard. Um, <laughs> and it's just like every night he's just out there skating, having fun. Uh, cause it's pretty hard to practice goalie by yourself unless you're Steve Carell yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> and his masterful video, which I don't know if you've seen, but, uh, Oh, I have. Yeah. My, my kids and I recreated it this year. Uh, <laughs> nice. so I've got that up on my YouTube channel. It was kind of fun. I, I had the I'll day check it out on my birthday and we, we did a uh, shot for shot recreation of it and had fun together. Um, that sounds awesome. So next question, what's the best chirp you've heard on or I say on or off the ice, but obviously on the uh, blacktop as well. Jeez. I don't know. You know what? I got to be honest with you. Uh, I chirp so much that I don't hear many of the chirps coming back. <laughs> so and what, not because they the, don't do it. It's just because I'm in such like a, I'm such a rage and I'm so focused at, at yelling at people. Cause I'm a, I'm a mouthy goalie. I'll, yeah. I'll be the first one to admit. I could be a little bit of a head case at times. What's uh, so the it's best like one you've thrown out there that, Oh, you, you know, they all come off the top of my head and I'll usually pick something. Um, and I don't, I, I can't even really explain my thought process when I come up with these. Cause I just come up with them off the top of my head as I'm playing. Like, you know, uh, my, my latest one is, has always been D league all-star because yeah. you get, you know, you get these guys who are uh, playing in a D league that should be playing in a B league and they come out and they're scoring seven goals a game on me. Yeah. And I'm like, are you happy? You know, you're a D league all-star. So that that's been like my big one lately of calling them, but um, I've gone, you know, I'll pick out like their, uh, you know, something that looks silly, like their skates, like some guys got uh, the, the guys with the vi- the guys with the tin advisors. Oh my God. They drive me insane. Yeah. I will go, even if they've done nothing wrong, I will go immediately at them and have to chirp them about their dumb visor. Yep. Um, and like I've saw, I saw a guy who had these like, uh, like blue, uh, blue uh, skates or something and the guy was a terrible skater and i'm like why do you you and he had like the tinted shield on and he had a mouthpiece in and he had <laughs> like all the brand new equipment and like he went out and spent way too much money and he's not good at hockey and i'm like he was just the ultimate uh you know person to rag on because yeah. everything from head to toe was was just a mess wearing it, shoulder pads it, it, and it just, nothing matched guys Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. We had a kid. And you know, you, you always know the guys, the guys who are actually really good are the guys who don't match nothing matches. Right. They, they got the torn up Zuba pants, you know, with the, uh, skate laces holding on the shin pads. And yeah, th- those are always the ones I, I watch out for the guy that comes out with all the brand new stuff. I'm like, all right, I, I got to actually try a little harder if you get a breakaway because you're not going to do what you're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a great, I just talked about somebody with this. I go, you know, the hard thing about playing D league hockey is, uh, and there's nothing against D league hockey. I, I enjoy playing it. But yeah. you, when you're used to the puck coming in like true and straight, it's wobbling and it's up and it's down. Yeah. And like when they're supposed to pass and you're thinking about it and you're like, okay, he's supposed to pass right here they don't pass yep. or when he's like, when he's going to shoot and you're like, they always shoot from this spot. He doesn't shoot. Yeah. <laughs> or like, a two oh. on O and they pass it over and it's like, they're supposed to shoot right away. And no, instead they pass it back and then they hold on to it too long and 
circle behind the net. And I, I've said it for a long time. It's much harder in beer league to play down than it is to play up because of that. There, there's a clear talent level when you're going down and it's not necessarily talent as it is hockey sense. They don't yes. have the hockey sense. We have one player on our team. He never played organized hockey. You would probably be chirping him on the ice because he's a true ankle bender. And he knows it when, he, you know, his ankles are turning in as he's skating, but he's one of the best defensemen I have because he's got incredible hockey sense. If there's a two on one, I know there's not going to be a shot because he gets his stick in there. He just, he reads the plays well. Then I got another defenseman, great skater, great puck handler. As Herb Brooks would say, 10 cent fart for a brain when it comes to hockey sense. (laughs) It's like, if there's a two on one, I know that A, that guy can come all the way in and make a move, or he's going to get the pass off. But the ankle bender, I'll, I'll take him late in the game on the ice anytime. Oh yeah. I could totally understand that. And like, I have to apologize to my hockey team or any team I've ever played on because not, you know, not only am I goalie and I'm a little nuts, but I'm a coach at heart. So like I'm coaching from net, from the net, because that's what I feel. You know, I just used to be do this, go here, do this. I'm used to giving shouting instructions to the kids and like, I can't not do it. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm like thinking about it. And, but you, 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 you talk about like the ankle bender guy, you know, I, if you're out there and you're trying and you're learning and you're getting better, I respect that a thousand percent. Yeah. So I don't go hard on the, like the ankle bender part of it more than like the guy who's out there who thinks he's way better than he is. Yeah. And he's not, you know, he's okay. Yeah. We got a few of those guys to show off and thinks he's way better than I'm going to go with that guy. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go with like the guys unless it's like one of those tryhards where it's like the guy can't skate and he scores a goal because they banked it off of his pad and he's yeah. screaming his head off. And I'm like, dude, you relax. I give up, I just give up a goal to the worst guy on the team. I'm the one who should be feeling bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in junior, our ankle bender, what I love about him too is like on the, in the locker room, he'll ask me questions like, what should I have done in that situation? And it's like, he wants to learn. He wants to know, but no more. Uh, so he, he's got that appetite, but yeah, it's, it's funny. And like you said, coaching, it, it brings out a different aspect too. Cause I, after college, I did some coaching at the high school level here. When I was in college, I did coaching at our summer hockey camps. And so it's just like, it's ingrained in me that I'm a coach now too. And so between periods, I'll come to the bench and I'll kind of give my, you know, between period synopsis is if I was a coach, it's like, we got to get the puck moving better. We got to get, you know, stop skating it behind the net, shoot the puck. All that. And it's to the point now where I, I come to the bench and the boys are just waiting for it. They're like, yeah, right. You know, our, our team captain, we call him coach. But when I come to the bench, they are like, what, what should we be doing coach? What are, what are we doing wrong? And they, I, they just roll their eyes, but I, I have to say it. I got to get it off my chest. Yeah. And, and, and the bad part about it too, was like, they didn't like some of these people that I played with don't realize that I had coached Yeah, and I'd been a coach for several, several years over and over and over. So it's like, what is this loudmouth goalie yelling at us about? Like, mm-hmm. I, I totally understand it now back then I did just didn't see it, but uh, you know, I tried to explain, I'm like, listen guys, I've been coaching kids for 20 years Yeah, on and off. Like, it's just natural to me. If I see something happening, like, I'm trying to shout, trying to help them out. Yep. Uh, 
And, and that's what I'm trying to do to you. I'm trying to help you out. Sometimes I get a little carried away, but yeah, yeah that's the, what happens. The team I'll be playing on this fall, I was going to play on two of them because there's a team in the division above us. Their goalie's having surgery, so he's going to be out. And uh, I got the email earlier today that my regular team is opting out this fall because they can see that the mask mandate's coming back here in Minnesota and they're scared it's mm-hmm. going to. In Minnesota, they required the mask on the ice too, um, even though Mayo Clinic is like, mm, that's the time not to wear it. Uh, and my, yeah. my teammates, even though most of them are firefighters, all said, we don't have an issue with the mask mandate. We have an issue with the fact that we're not in a physical condition to skate with the mask. And I go, that's cool, but concerning at the same time that you're all firefighters and don't. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, what yeah, about your masks that you need to breathe? In yeah, they're like, we see the irony. We know. Um, but the team I'll be playing on now, just solely, I would say at least a third of us have coached or are coaching. So there's kind of, that's one of the reasons they're a little bit better too. They, they look at the game a little bit different to which, it, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's interesting. You, you pointed that one out. So the next question is always a fun one. What's the worst post-game beer you've had? The worst post-game beer, most beer. I'm not a huge <laughs> beer guy, to be honest with you. Like I'm happy with Coors because it's watered down. To me, that just, is one of I think that's almost the ideal post-game beer because it's as long as it's cold because it's just kind of that refreshing, like you said, a little bit watered down. Like I I like craft beer, but not right after a game. That that Coors Light is just up here. Mick Golden Light is still pretty big. In fact, I'm uh, skating on for a tournament tomorrow on team Mick Golden. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, yeah, it, it, that that's another decent post game beer in my opinion. Well, uh, here, here, I, I, I let me give let me give it a little bit of a shout out. The best I'm gonna I'll, I'll have the best beer that I've ever had. Wink, wink, is uh, Three Floyds because oh, my hockey yes. team that I play on is Floyd's Hammers, and we are sponsored by Three Floyds. So. Three Floyds is the best for post game. <laughs> that that is a good beer. I wish we were able to get it up here in Minnesota. In fact, one of the um, uh, brewers came from Surly up here. Todd, who is a big metalhead guy, and before he left Surly, they came out with a uh, recipe just for him called Todd the Axe Man, and that was a pretty darn nice. good beer. Yeah, um, but he wound up at Three Floyds because of kind of that metal background and it just mm-hmm. kind of fit personality but yeah that that's a great great beer yeah uh, we got really nice uh three floyds or they were called floyd's hammers really nice stitch jerseys so, so shout out to three floyds <laughs> um so when you tape your sick eagle heel the toe or toe to heel you know what i used to go toe to heel and then i heard jeff merrick say heel the toe yeah, there's no snow. So I changed over the time. So I, I, yeah, so I've done both, but now I do a heel to toe. Yeah. I've I've always done heel to toe. Um, so what's your favorite number to wear and more importantly, why? 48. Why Uh, 48? 48 has been, I, I wore 30 at times because Mike Vernon went 48 or it wasn't available or something, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't have a real great story about 48 other than um, I was a better football player than I was a hockey player. That's for sure. And I was a better, uh, I, I was better at track was at football. So when I played football, um, my, uh, my number was actually 44, 
which I loved. I loved that number. But the coach mistakenly, when he was giving out numbers uh, my junior year, uh, he had asked, Osborne, what do you want your number to be? And I was running back and receiver. So, you know, number, you know what those numbers are yeah. going to be. Um, so I was like 44. And he's like, no, nah, it's taken, which it wasn't. Um, but I, what am I going to do? Argue with this guy? I'm not yeah. going to argue with this guy. Because you, you, if you know Coach Gary Corhone and Ed Richards, you don't argue with that yeah. man. So um, I'm like, okay, how about uh, 40? Uh, no, 44. How about 46? Nope, taken. How about 48? 48. Boom. Because I love numbers in the 40s. Yeah. So 48 just became my number. I adopted it as mine playing football and I carried it on to hockey uh, with me. You know, I'm like, I'm going to be one of those guys yeah. who's married to his number. Uh, some people aren't. Yep. I am very much the obsessive compulsive married to my number. Like I literally have a closet full of jerseys <laughs> that were designed by a friend, good friend of mine um, that all have 48 on them because I want to wear my number. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Uh, it's funny you say that. Cause like my brother-in-law, he played baseball, he played football, he played hockey and he was 15. Every, every sport had to be number 15. And you know, and then when his kids started playing, they had to be 15 when, you know, our nephew was playing, he's like, you're going to be number 15. Right. And he's like, I I guess so. I guess it's the family number. And then my son starts playing baseball and uh, he's like, you're going to be number 15. Right. And he's like, no, I signed up late. So I got the last number and it was number five. It's like, that works. That was my number in baseball. He's like, Oh, okay. It's just missing the one. And then next year he got to choose his number. He's like, you're, getting 15 right he's like no i'm going with number two my after my favorite player Derek jeter he's like but he's like that's my number now like and it like just crushed my brother-in-law that somebody in the family wasn't going with 15 it was funny oh oh my son like he want you know he's a good kid he really is he's nine years old and he wants to please his dad and dad's been his coach yeah his entire time and when i would i would ask him I, I wanted him to make a decision on his own i'm like what number do you want? And now backstory, he was born on Stan Nikita's birthday. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a really cool thing in that, you know, in, in there with that. Uh, I'm like, what number do you want? And he's like, I don't know. Uh, can I wear 48? And I'm like, don't wear it for me. I don't want you to wear my number for me. Like mm-hmm. I want you to make a number or do something because for you me. feel yep. that, it, that it's your personality. I don't need you to be my personality because you're never going to be the, you know, you're not going to be the player that I was not meaning quality wise. You're just not gonna be the same person. Yeah. Maybe very similar, but you're going to have your own texts and stuff. And I don't want you to have to like, I, I'm not looking for this eulogy to dad kind of thing. <laughs> so I'm like, how about you were born on Sam Makita's birthday? How about 21? That is a great role model. Like I, that mm-hmm. is the role model. I would want my son to have Jonathan Taves or Stan Makita and you were born on Stan Nikita's birthday. How about 21? He's like, okay, 21 it is. So he picked 21, uh, which I was happier about that than, than if you would have been wearing my number. Mm-hmm. I wanted him to pick something because it made reason, you know, made sense for him. Yep. Well, yeah, that, that was my son. He loves the number two because uh, Derek Jeter has a couple of kids books, basically telling his story through the, and he read them and he, he loved them. And he's like, Derek Jeter's my favorite player is like, you realize he retired before you were born. You've never seen him play baseball. He's like, I don't care. He's my favorite player. He's like, all right, cool. <laughs> you know, so that that's his yeah. number now. Number two. Um, yeah. 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 I don't, I don't, I don't want to be too like overbearing as a parent. It's bad enough. That, right. Like my kid is playing the sport that I've loved for, yep. uh, you know, pretty much 40 years of my life. 
Yeah. Uh, I want him to make his own decisions though. He, he, if you wanted to be a goalie that you can be a goalie, he didn't want to be a goalie. So that's good. I like that. Yeah. Let him well, be his own guy. That was when my son was like, I want to play baseball, not hockey. I was like, cool. You know, he's like, you're not going to be bad. I was like, why would I be mad? And he's like, well, cause you played hockey. It's like, yeah, I played hockey. You play baseball. That's how it works. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's next summer. We're not going to do summer league hockey. He's going to play baseball. He wants to play baseball. That's yeah. fine. Fine by yep. me. I'm, I'm cool with that. He's tried wrestling. He's tried football. Like I played football too, but I didn't, I never wrestled. Yeah. Uh, tr- do what you want to do. Like do what you're good at. Don't do what I was good at or what I enjoyed doing. It doesn't, it doesn't like, I didn't do what my parents did when they were kids, yep. which is basically nothing, but I didn't like, I played hockey because I like playing hockey. Same here. You should do the same thing. Yeah. It's funny. Cause Gus, he tried wrestling. He came home with a flyer from school. He's like, I really want to do this and everything else. And then he tried wrestling and realized he didn't really enjoy it. And he's like, do I have to keep going? Or like, you signed up. This is, you have to do it until the season's over. Then you don't have to. But once you sign up for something, you've made a commitment. And he's like, okay. That's exactly what my father told me for sports. I couldn't quit. He's like, make sure when you sign up yep. that you want to commit the entire time. Because even if you don't like it, you're not quitting. Yeah. And I, I never quit a season. Yep. And, uh, you know, it was the same thing. He played flag football before tackle and he liked it, but he likes it more out, you know, at the park with his buddies and he does mm-hmm. structured. So he didn't want to do that. And baseball came along. It's like, okay. And he was in boy scouts up until this year, COVID really killed the joy of boy scouts for him. Cause they went yeah. over a year without having an in-person meeting or a camp out and like camp outs are the whole idea of Boy Scouts. So, right, right. Yeah. You know, just this next time to sign up, he's like, you know, I don't want you to be mad, but I don't want to stick with it. It's like, okay, I'm not going to make you do something you don't want to do. You know, and he's like, okay, sure. good. I, I was worried. It's like, no, you're, you're, you're a good kid, but you got to find something else to fill your time because you're not just going to sit home Agreed. playing the show with your buddies from baseball all all winter. He's like, okay, that's we'll exactly what I told my kid. <laughs> like we're going to put, we're going to take you out and play ball hockey. Cause they were letting, it was outdoors and stuff. They were letting yeah. him do the ball hockey. I'm like, you're going to go out and you're going to play ball hockey because you're not sitting in a house eating Cheetos for the next year. Yeah. Um, because you know, I, I want you physically active. I want you to, to be out doing something instead of sitting around being lazy and getting fat and unhealthy. Yeah, totally. So last question, what advice do you have for young goalies? Uh, well, I would say I don't go along with the fact that, you know, these goalies, they, they, they're cookie cutter goalies. Like Mm -hmm. everyone's going to have your own personality. That would be my first thing to say is you're going to have your own personality. Don't think you have to look like those perfect butterfly goalies. Yep. As long as you're athletic enough and you have the right hockey sense and you know, you, you, you could be your own guy. Uh, I, I, what I really don't like about it is the, the butterfly goalie factory. Like everyone looks exactly the same. You can't tell anyone apart. I don't like any of that. But the second thing, the second thing I would say, let me, let me just get this off and then learn to let goals go when you give up. Cause I have a hard time doing short memory. You have to forget about it and move on. You have to make the next save. And then you make the next save, make one save at a time, one save at a time, one save at a time. That's what I always tell the young goalies that I teach. Yep. Yeah. I had a goalie coach that told us we had to have a short memory and you're only looking to the future until the game ends. Then you can look in the past and figure out what happened. Um, but you know, when 
the goalies of the eighties and the nineties, you could look at their stance or their play and you could tell who it was. You didn't have to see the number. You didn't have to see the Jersey they were wearing. You, they could just have blacked it out and you could tell by the stance or the way they were playing who it was today. Mm -hmm. Not so much. No, it's, you get, I mean, I I got nothing against European goalies. They're excellent goalies. They're all really, really good, but you get a finisher Swedish goalie in there. That's a, a butterfly goalie. And it's like, Watch him make a save. Tell me who that is. Like, a lot of times you're like, I don't know. Well, that, that's the thing about Marc-Andre Fleury that I love about him is the athleticism and the way he he doesn't give up on plays. And you don't see that as much in some of, you know, as you said, the butterfly factory goalies. It's just, this is what I'm supposed to do. If I'm out of position, I'm out of position. It's just not the, I'm out of position, but what can I do to get in the way of the puck? And, and that's where and- Fleury's old school still. And to, to to my second favorite goalie of all time, Dominic Asik. Yep. I love that how unconventional he is or was, and he was so good at it. And yes. it was amazing. And it, it was exciting. Mm-hmm. And like, that is what I want to do. I want to make saves like Dominic Asik stacking the pads and flipping them over. And like with the back of his glove and like, yep. that's, that's playing goalie to me. That, that's that what was, made me want to be a goalie. I've always said when people ask, what's your style? I said, it's kind of a hybrid between Curtis Joseph and Dominic Hasek. Cause I've, I do the barrel rolls. I've do, I've made the saves with the arm behind me. Um, but I saw this week since arena, the virtual reality training tool now has uh, a program with Dominic Hasek is like, okay, now I need to find a couple hundred dollars to get the year subscription just to see what this is all about with Hasek. You know, yeah, there's the other ones with, Tom Barrasso and, you know, some of the other greats of the game, but I, I want to see what they did with Hashik and what his practice planning is. It just to hear him speak about it. And people would think that he was just out of position, not knowing what the hell was going on. And then you hear him speak and he was doing that on purpose. Yeah. He was baiting him. <laughs> yeah, he was baiting him. He, he was baiting him. And I, I remember one of the conversations he, he was having is like, well, they're in so close. Why do I have to cover up here? They can't physically get the puck up there. You know, the way it comes off the stick, there's no way it's going to get up there. So get down low, cover as much of it. And it's like, that makes so much sense to me. Um, now, coaches who don't understand the position or even some goalie coaches are like, please do not play that way. I think the goalie coach of its side is more, please don't play that way because I don't have the blood pressure to handle it. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> so, well... I, we've been going for quite a while. I want to be mindful of time. So where can folks uh, find you on, uh, as you say, the social medias uh, and the yeah. interwebs? Uh, where, where can they find you if they want to uh, follow uh, all of the different uh, yeah, podcasts um, and stuff? We have our website, which is www.the-rink.com. You could probably see it up right yep. there. Um that's where uh, I'm going to be writing about Seattle. I'm kind of excited. It's a brand new franchise, new fan yeah. base. I can get involved with. Um, we have Blackhawks. We have Colorado avalanche. We have, we will have Cleveland or I mean, not Cleveland, uh, Colorado, uh, sorry, Columbus, Columbus, uh, blue jackets at, at some point in time. Uh, but we write there. We just write how we feel. Uh, we're not home. We're not homers. We're not fanboys. We are very critical of these teams. Uh, so if you want to go there with a critical mind and read that stuff, please check it out. Um, I'm at Puck and Hostel on uh, the social medias. Um, 
Also, we have our podcasts that are associated with each one of our divisions. Uh, the one I run, I've moved over. We had the Chicago uh, Hockey Ringcast. Uh, you can look that up on all of your favorite podcasts. Uh, and we do the video casts now as well. Uh, I took over the Seattle one, or I'm creating the Seattle one, which is going to be the uh, Kraken Hostel Seattle Ringcast. Um, and then we also have our boy Aaron Goldschmidt, who uh, started the Colorado division. He has the Colorado Avalanche rink cast. So they're all under the rink cast banner. Mm-hmm. They all have a very similar uh, look to them, but it's all different content, different hosts. Sometimes we cross over a little bit just to get a little banter going, but we have a, a good time. And uh, that's pretty much where all my time is spent during hockey season. You know, you mentioned that you're not homers. And that's one of the reasons I, I was drawn to the Hawks rink cast was because it was an honest assessment of the team, you know, when they were sucking, you mentioned it. And, you know, when they were, if there was a player who wasn't uh, living up to his billing, it doesn't matter how great he was in the past, you know, cough, cough, Brent Seabrook, um, <laughs> you know, let, let's let point it out. You know, a guy's lost a step. It doesn't mean he's a bad guy or, you know, his contributions in the past didn't count any. It's like, let's be honest with ourselves. That's one of the things I like about, you know, we can listen to the NBC Hawks podcast all we want but all they're going to do is say how great they are and have rose-colored glasses I mean even their Cubs one right now after a 12-game skid I think the last one the title of it was do we see the light at the end of the tunnel of the rebuild it's like it's barely started pump the yeah. you know pump the brakes uh let's be honest with ourselves but you guys are honest you know I, I think it's I, I turned to your podcast and the Madhouse podcast just because they're the the only two that are, are critical of the team, you know, yeah. in an honest way. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it was, it's strange because we're branded as haters because we are so critical of the team. But I mean, if you look at the, you know, look at the Blackhawks, for example, how bad they've been. Yeah. They've not made the playoffs. They've been in the bottom third of the league. Some of the worst defensive teams, like I'm, we're, we're going to point that out. You want to know why the Blackhawks aren't winning? This is why they aren't winning. Yep. You know, it's like, we're not going to go out there and, and pump up some, you know, goofball, whatever uh, Stan Bowman's latest, uh, you know, pet project, Alex Nylander or whatever right yeah. now, because Stan wants him to be, be put up on a pedestal as the next great, you know, Blackhawk or whatever. Well, no, we're going to show you what's wrong and why they're losing. Yeah. We're not going to go out there and just, you know, it's, it's just not the way we think. It's when, just not. When they're winning and clicking on all cylinders, you point that out too. You know, what, yeah. what it is, you guys are just honest about what, what the team's doing. Yeah. I mean, we just, we enjoyed watching the win Stanley Cups and it was great. I'm yeah. sure that, of course, it was like, you know, it must be nice to be at the top. You know, you're worrying about your seventh defenseman or whatever, Michael Roosevelt being yeah. out there. Yeah. It yeah. Is nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you you kind of got to go. I mean, we pointed out, I covered three Stanley cups pretty much for that team. Like I, there were plenty of good times, but when the bad times are bad, you have to point them out. And, and, and it's not the fans fault that, you know, some of these fans are, are now, you know, becoming adults and they were two years old when the Blackhawks, you know, won the Stanley cup yeah. the first time they don't know the bad Blackhawks. Right. They don't know what we have seen yeah. since they- 1984. They the didn't live through the, the Elpo Suhonen years. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's a name I always bring up in like, who should the next coach be? El, Elpo Suhonen, because yeah. I love that name. Yeah, it's like uh, your coach is named after dog food and his last job was like 
running the orchestra in Sweden. <laughs> you know, it's like, what is going on here? Every once in a while, I see his name pop up on Twitter somewhere for something. Like he's coaching back overseas somewhere. I'm like, he's still around? Yeah, it, crazy. You know who's one guy that I'm surprised didn't pop up more after? It was Craig Hartsburg. Yeah, that was a guy kind of kind of died. He went up to uh, where was he coaching? He did coach somewhere right after the Hawks, but yeah. after that, then it was over with. He wasn't given another chance. Yeah, you know, I, I have a feeling that's going to be the route Colleton takes. I, I see a lot of similarities oh, between the two. You know, I hope. Yeah, he's yeah, supposed cause... to be great with these young kids, and I haven't seen the progression. He, no, I've heard some stories that are not not good as far as like Colleton and players not liking him and stuff. He kind of reminds me of Mike Yo when he was with the Wild, where he was a great assistant coach, but he's not a great guy in charge. No, the arrogance that he comes off like you haven't not you have not earned no this arrogance that you like because he was you know because Stan Bowman put him up on a propped him up like the the golden child yeah that he's the next guy the young uh, communicator and he's not that he's not that at all and. Uh, I've heard that players have said that like, they don't, they, he's one of the worst coaches they've played for. I've, I know yep. one player in particular said it's the worst coach I've ever played for. Yeah. It's, so. it's tough as a, a fan. When you see that one of the issues with the team is obvious, but they won't make a change. And and I think part of it is stands tied to him. If he, if he gets rid of him, he uh, admits that getting rid of Quenville to replace him with this guy was a mistake. Oh, the the mistakes have been so numerous. The yeah. trades, the terrible trades, and yeah, all this nonsense that's going on, and now just completely abandoning the rebuild. Yeah, to now we have to now win now because Jonathan Tays and uh, Patrick Kane are now mad because you've wasted six years of their prime of their career. Yeah. Oh, and go figure. They only have what two years left on their contracts now, so we got yeah. they got to put something together. Um, my gut tells me that once all this investigation is done. Stan might be forced out and that might be the best thing for the Hawks. Yeah. Uh, I'm think I, unfortunately, I, I don't want this to have to be the way he, that he goes. It should be because of his job performance. Yeah. Uh, because it's so unfortunate that what happened, uh, but yeah, I think like they couldn't let Stan run the draft, run the expansion draft, then run free agency if they thought he was going anywhere anytime soon, uh, and, you know, without them mm-hmm. being the decision makers on that. So I think they think that he's going to skate on this, this whole weird yeah. thing. That's I don't going know. On. Yeah. It's, I hope not. Cause it doesn't, he should be, they should all be gone. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Well, it's been awesome talking to you, you know, as we were going back and forth, they said they go, you know, 60 to 90 minutes, sometimes longer. This is one of those sometimes longer because we've been having good conversation, but uh, I know you got the, uh, the family at home. Uh, we're encroaching on dinner time. So I'll, I'll let you get going and uh, we're going to keep in touch. Yeah, that'd be great, man. I, I really had a great time. It's nice to kind of just talk about just hockey in general rather than just the whole Blackhawks are cracking. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed my conversation with Jeff, make sure you check out his Rink Cast podcast. As you heard, he isn't a homer by any source. He gives his honest opinions of players and teams, giving praise when praise is due and being critical when needed. Something 
many others shy away from. Be sure to follow Jeff on Instagram and Twitter by searching Puck in Hostel. Follow the Rink social media, as, as Jeff would say, on The Rink Official on all platforms and visit their website, the-rink.com. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Wash Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. The show is hosted by Nick Jones and previous Tendy Talk guest Trish Dangle. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many to list here, but trust me, you're going to be able to find one, if not several, that you enjoy. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washedupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. And let's not forget, if you are a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Intuition and brains These are all